you've got the make it. The make it, I think, is done and your price point is fine. And then we go into the brand it phase and the brand it is like, how do we establish as a brand? What do people need to know or feel or understand about it? This is going to be a visual thing. It's going to be an influencer thing. It's going to be a placement in stores thing. And then that's all going to start to attract an audience to you because they're going to feel like they belong or they don't belong. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and this is the Product Boss Podcast. I've helped launch and grow thousands of product-based businesses, even one of my own. And over the last 20 years, I've seen behind the scenes of businesses just like yours. Whether they are makers, manufacturers, artists, or food and beverage businesses, I have spent so many hours studying it all. I've discovered what makes them successful. What are mistakes they could avoid? How did they turn an idea into successful business? And what are strategies they have used to make more sales and be discovered by more customers? This is what this show is all about. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to become a million dollar product boss, I'm here to give you the permission to chase your dreams, no matter how big or small. All you need is the right mindset, a little courage, strategy, and support, and you too can be the next million dollar product boss. Let's do this. There's a big reason why more than 300 of last year's unicorn startups use HubSpot. And it's because no software keeps you better connected with your teams or your customers so you can crush all your goals. The new HubSpot Sales Hub brings you that power in an easy-to-use platform designed for today's top sales teams. With 360-degree deal management and real-time reporting, you get accurate windows into each and every inch of your business. And with AI-powered tools like ChatSpot, you'll have a dedicated assistant that knows your business inside and out. ChatSpot enables your team with one-step access to a ton of time-saving functions like pulling data, tracking calls, managing leads, and scheduling emails. So trade cold calls for warm leads because when it comes to scaling sales, your software should be smart. And the solutions should be simple. Get on track for your best Q1 yet. Check out HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com slash sales. Hey, product bosses. In today's coaching session, I'm speaking with local LA entrepreneur and multi-stream machine student, Leah. She runs a luxury perfume brand that's in the middle of a rebrand. Currently operating as more of a side hustle, Leah sees the potential for her business to reach six figures, and I think she can get there too. All right, let's dive in. So you said for the past 30 days, your average order value is about Mm -hmm. 39% of your sales have come from email marketing. Mm -hmm. How big is your email list? Yeah, but you still have percent of your sales coming from that. So imagine mm-hmm. if you grew it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You got a 30% returning customer rate, which is huge. And your conversion rate is, which is on par with percent. You're on the higher level. Okay. This is all working. The most money generated was an in-person farmer's market at Melrose. I would average around $1,000 on Sundays going to Melrose Place over across the street from Alfred. I was getting really good sales there, but because it's LA and it's in the open, I was attracting all kinds of people. 
And it made me nervous being out there like that because I wasn't really a part of the market. I was kind of on the side. And I've, I mean, I've spoken with the market organizer and she's a really big help for me to get into the market. It's just that I've just been nervous and scared of going to the market, even though, you know, I went through the in-person module. I got the spin wheel. I got my bags. What are you scared of? If you're already selling it, like if you're already standing there on the outside of the market, what are you actually scared of? I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared of being my skin tone in that neighborhood. I'm scared of, you know, people, they walk by, they're just there for asparagus. They're not there for me, you know, and you know, the kids, sometimes they run up, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll take it. They'll take a scent card. They always come back. But, you know, that initial something about the exchange at first, it, it just seems so, you know, I feel like Liza Doolittle asking if someone wants to buy flowers from a poor old lady in the street. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I actually used to have a client with a store on Miller's place. He was like named like GQ's next like menswear designer. Mm-hmm. Because the area is a very expensive neighborhood. Like you said, Balmain, Zimmerman, designer. We could just all imagine as like Beverly Hills, right? Mm -hmm. But I think because you're doing something on the outside, it makes you feel like an outsider versus being like, they gave me, I paid and I have a booth and I'm standing in here and it works. Because you just said to me, the most money you generated was doing it in person there. Yeah. And that was on the outside. Is that right? Yeah. It's just that when, when I go to those markets, even in the Pacific Palisades or the Hollywood Farmers Market, something about it kind of, it just seems really off brand. When you say off brand, go deeper into that. Well, they're, you know, they're selling food. Hollywood's a little dirty. It just, it's... It just, what about Palisades? Palisades, they don't have many, like I didn't see many jewelry stands. I didn't see many candle stands. I saw like pottery and food, bakeries. I didn't really see many other luxury type of booths. So, you know, it's not like, you know, going to New York and being in the Chelsea market, you know, on the inside. It's not. Right. It's, but let me ask you a question. How much is it again for a bottle? It's the large bottles are and the small ones are. Okay. So yes, I mean, the price point is outside of the realm, but let's ignore Hollywood. If you were in the Palisades, if you were at the Melrose Market, if you were Santa Monica, mm -hmm. people with a lot of money, like celebrities walk around. Yeah. Now, I want you to treat it though from the perspective of if you are going to go the market route, then can you treat it like market research? Okay. Okay. So instead of the overwhelm of should I even be here? It's one of the quickest ways that you can be in front of your ideal customer. So you pick your location because a tiny bottle of perfume yeah. is very expensive. Yeah. So then you want to be in Malibu, the Palisades, Brentwood, places where they buy three, $400 bags on a whim. Yeah. So if you're going to try it, you could try it and just see what kind of feedback you get. And people okay. might like smell it and love it. And then they might hear the price and they're like, oh. And then you could start to really weigh it out with like, am I overpriced? Because the amount of product I get is quite small, little. Okay. Okay. And we can get into pricing too, if that's a conversation okay. we should have. So for your mindset part of it, I would say 
In-person can be great for market research. You've got direct feedback from ideal customers, even though it's on a market and maybe they're not ready. The reason they're going to buy it in a department store is because it has more to the brand around it, right? Like people have told them about it. They've seen other people using it. Chrissy Teigen talked about it, like whatever it is. And that's the thing that sells things off the shelf. And so there's going to need to be a product awareness element and like a brand awareness that if you can hit these people in person and speak to them and they start to use it and they love it, then they'll shop with you. People will say, oh my God, you smell so good. What is that? They'll tell them it's Mona Lisa fragrance. That's how you start to establish the brand with okay. the tastemakers. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I've always done the best. I just, I didn't want to, I don't know. I didn't want to be in the markets. <laughs> okay. Another thing you consider are pop-ups instead of markets. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can approach different stores, like let's say Brentwood Country Mart. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been over there? Uh-uh. I think I would feel more comfortable doing boutique pop-ups. I am in a boutique in Santa Monica off Montana Ave. And they do pop-ups like, you know, every month. And yeah, that's where your ideal customer is on Montana. Okay. So look into Brentwood Country Mart and they have Jenny Kane is the one I was thinking about, but they have a James Purse. Okay. Jenny Kane, Hudson Grace, Goop. Well, there's a Christian Louboutin, but there's like smaller stores and bigger stores. Jenny Kane does her own brand, so she may not do a collab with someone else. But if you go in and you see the essence of that store, you go to the other stores and you're like, hey, I'm a small brand. Like, I'd love to do a pop-up and go to where the people that are your ideal customer are so they can discover you Okay. in these places. Yeah. And you may want to consider doing a, a sample pack. So I know you do like yeah. you put the scent on a card. I have, I got these made up with the, the spit right. wheel so that, you know, they can, they can see, and then they can get like a 15% off QR code. They're free. Yeah. These are free. And the boutique, they give these out like gift with purchase at the wholesale places that um, I'm selling in. Okay. So for sure you can give it away. Okay. If you're in the right place. Now, the thing is, is that that will last me for a pretty long time. Kayla Gray, she was in our mastermind. She's a multi-stream machine student. She does this Kayla Gray fragrance discovery kit. It's $22. It has her five fragrances in it. It's her bestseller. Really? So yeah. So people are buying like a small amount from her and they're actually willing to pay for it because she is an online business too. Uh But it's just something to think about that like they can smell it and then you could potentially charge them for the samples. Yeah. These go for 10 online. Yeah. So in person, they should pay for them. Okay. Okay. In person, pay for them. I mean, if you're in a big pop-up like that, if they smell it and they love it, they can buy the two. Or you could be like, I have this fragrance sample pack. You can get it for 12 or something, right? Or 10 or... Okay. 10 a weird number. I might go to 12. Okay. So it's the packaging too that they're paying for? Yeah. So if you're going to charge for it, I may want to see it, even if you put it in like a clear tube or like, if we're going to charge someone $12 for it, it probably shouldn't come on the card. We do want it to look a little bit more special. Okay. So then the value is there. So this might be like a little tiny envelope with it inside with a card, even if it's something like this in an envelope, you know, but something that just feels more special 
then it's like I'm walking away with that versus a sample card. And that's why the Kayla Gray one I think does so well is it comes in like this tube. Absolutely. So let's imagine those cards. Let's say you did it with a washi tape. They were taped on. It was little. It was defined to what it is. It could be like, you know, one for six, two for 10 maybe, or Mm -hmm. like you just sell it as like in a little thing. But if it's displayed in a certain way, it adds value. Yeah. For them to pay for a sample of a perfume versus Mm -hmm. you just saying like, oh yeah, you have to pay for these. I'm like, I'm not going to pay you for samples. But if it feels like something they're like... Yeah, I like that. Getting that's presented in that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Customer perception matters, especially when selling a higher ticket product like Leah is. Perfume has a wide range of pricing, which depends on how customers feel about the brand and what it says about them. So obviously, the product needs to smell nice too. But even when we're talking about sample packs, some premium packaging is going to have a major impact. So that's a little bit of what I would say like for the sampling. And then, okay, going back to the pop-up boutiques, when you approach stores, you might say like, hey, I've got this brand. It's this. You can send them samples. I'd love to do a pop-up. And then you would come up with like your split price. Okay. And then when you do that, that's where you grow your email list. And that's where if they see like, wow, people are loving it, they may decide that they could buy wholesale from you. Yeah. Okay. So another thing is, is from the brand perspective, why is it so expensive? I I was setting this up so that I could just, I could make money just selling in wholesale. Because at the time, you know, working on set or working at the studios, I didn't think I would have time for uh, D to C. And I wanted to make a certain amount of money and... It just, it was price for wholesale. Okay. But price for wholesale means that wholesale needs to be priced for retail because somebody has to buy it and resell it. Right. So would you mind sharing your costs? Yeah. The grand total for one bottle would cost about... The dollars bottle? Yeah. And that includes the material, the perfume and the oil, mm-hmm. the bottle... The, the labels? Yeah, the box, the promo card that goes in. What about labor? Labor's in there. What are you charging for labor? It's just bottling and fulfillment. So if you were to pay someone, mm-hmm. you're working on a TV set and you mm-hmm. needed someone to come in and they needed to mix the formula. So they had to mix the oil and the scents together. Mm-hmm. And then they had to bottle it. That's all of the labor that okay. goes into making one. So on here, that is... So it's the oil, the glasses with the cap, the boxes, and there's a little like diamond that's inside of the bottle. But again, the labor. Okay. The labor. So when I say this is if you were to hire me, you're like, you're off at work making the big bucks and you need me to come in and make a hundred of the 30 ounce bottles and I have to mix the formula Mm -hmm. and then I have to bottle it. That's the labor. So you have to figure out how many hours you need to hire me to mix a certain amount of the of the perfume. So that's labor of making of the oil. And then there's the putting it into the bottles, which is still part of labor. Yeah. And if you have to label the bottles and stuff like that. So you may want to think, okay, how long does it take me to formulate a batch of the oil? That time, all the prep work to it, getting the bottles out, measuring, mixing, all of that. And if you were to pay me, you live in LA, so it's more expensive. So let's say you were able to hire me for $20 an hour. Yeah. How long would it take me to mix that batch 
And then how many units could that batch yield? So when I, when I've hired out before I could get about 500 or I could get about 500 bottles filled in about six hours. We're talking about filled, but what about making the perfume? That part's not factored in because I'm purchasing it from a fragrance house. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. So you're not actually mixing the fragrance. You're sourcing the fragrance and Mm -hmm. then you're just filling the bottles. Mm -hmm. Great. So that's what that cost is. The fragrance you've already costed and the only labor for you is pouring it into the bottles. Yeah. Bottling and bottling it and boxing it. Can the fragrance house eventually bottle and box for you? Yes, they can. (laughs) What are they going to charge for it? I don't I I contacted them a few weeks ago on it but with the the holiday mush I wasn't able to get back with them on that but that is something that you know I'm looking into I just don't have the price for that yet. Okay, so when you do let's add that in. So okay. that's great. So I think I, I didn't know how it was being made. So that's good to know. So then knowing that your cost with all of that is Huh? So for now, I it's there's $2 in there for bottling and packaging. Okay. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Okay. So then wholesale would be around, I think probably around $35. Yeah. Yeah. This is just times two, but let's say I wanted you to be more than that. So okay. Times 2.2. I'm just going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was about right. So I'm going to say $3 for wholesale. Okay. Okay. So with healthy margins, it could be dollars for your one ounce bottle. Yeah. I'm just saying if we were to mark up like that, because you told me in your in your intake that your average order value is so in comparison to your bottle and your bottle, are the majority buying the same? They're buying the bigger bottle. It just, my average order value went from, because I started, I did uh, two weekends of free samples. That's why my average order value came down. But what does that mean? When you say free samples, like how does that affect your average order value? Instead, so when people would order a sample, they would get it for free. So it brought down, so if, if I, you know, put out 20 orders and five of those, we're at zero, it brought my average order value down. Well, they shouldn't get anything for free. What do you mean? Like I can order them for free on your website? No, you can't. But before Black Friday, I wanted to do, I did a, you know, a, like a free sample weekend, Friday through Sunday, put it on socials, emails. They could, Did they have to pay for shipping or you all pay they, for it? Yeah. All they did was pay for shipping. Okay. And how many people did that? I got about 12 people ordered. And have any of those people come back and ordered product? I think around four of them came back and ordered. Well, that's big. That's a third. That's 30%. So that's actually really big. Okay. So you're saying to me that you feel like price point is easy peasy. I do. Okay. That's totally fine. I need to get into your numbers. So if you think that it's easy and people are buying it, then keep it at that. I do get some customers, but you know, it'll be someone I've known from when I was real little. They'll email and they want like it's their birthday, really like they're literally telling asking for a discount. So well, they're not your ideal customer. So we can just ignore them. 
So then the price point then that you're in, so this is where the market research comes up. I ask a lot of these questions because it's kind of like mining to understand where to go. So you might be more on this dip tea level. Okay. So this perfume that they have is 2.4 ounces and it's $220. So it's like, you know, one and a half times the size. So if I were to split this in half, it's in that realm of you're only getting two and a half ounces for 220 bucks. Right. So this Diptyque Mm -hmm. hair mist at one ounce is $68. This Delina Exclusive Eau de Perfume is one ounce for 210. Now I'm on Mm neimanmarcus.com because this is the customer that you need to go for. Okay. It's not necessarily the Nordstrom's customer necessarily. It probably is that Goop customer. Joe Malone's one ounce 80. And Joe Malone is, yeah. I mean, they're in more places. So they're in Bloomingdale's and because they're not only in like a Neiman's and they're more available, the value of the brand is less. Okay. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. when you can find something more accessible, then it's harder to keep that like prestige versus like you don't go into a boutique and find a Chanel bag on the shelf. Like you have to go to Chanel or a very specific department store. Right. Right. They don't just sell wholesale. So I want you to do some market research. I've come up with this framework. I'm going to walk you through. Okay. It goes ideate it, make it, brand it, sell it, and delegate it. So the place that I see you still in the ideate phase is back to customer avatar. So getting really clear on who your customer is and market research. Okay. And I say that because since you're still new, you're rebranding, you're coming up with a name, you're not well established yet. You've been in this kind of like test and try market research realm, which I like because you've done the minimal viable product, you've gotten feedback, you've seen that people are willing to spend. Mm-hmm. But because we have to kind of do a rebrand, I'm interested for you to, before you go to the next step, to do some market research and I'll send you a form on it. Okay. And identify kind of exactly what I'm doing here. I went to Neiman's because I know Neiman's is quite expensive. And then I looked up one ounce fragrance because that's your biggest bottle. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking across and I'm seeing what are the prices. Yeah. And let's say I see this one, one ounce, $115, this Italian brand, or this French one that's $190 for one ounce. I'm like, okay, that's the same price or more expensive. I'm going to actually go research these brands. It's like for brand awareness. And then I'm going to research these brands and look at where else they sell you know, are they imported from France? Like you could see their packaging. Yeah. I can go follow their Instagram. I could kind of start to put together this like market research form. So then I'm like, okay, if I need to compete with these other brands because of this price point, Mm -hmm. then I need to know how they're standing out in the market. Neiman's is also like old school rich people. So when I say that, I say it in the way of like, you know, Italian looking old fashioned perfume bottle might be very different. Mm -hmm. So then we're looking for the wealthier people that are looking for the trendy product that they're going to pay for. And what should the branding look like around that? Right. Like I I really like the Joe Malone that's there. It's, you know, it looks clean, classic. The Tom Ford is even clean, classic. Yeah. Like the Creed is, you know, very different from that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So... 
that's kind of almost what I was saying to you. Like if it was like a insider label, like this label right here, it's white with black writing and like Mm -hmm. the font. Maison, mm-hmm. everyone's using that word. It's, that's what I'm saying. People know it for like French. <laughs> they can remember that word probably and it makes it feel more expensive. But this is just a very clean bottle with specific white writing. The color of the perfume is a different scent. This is the same price point that you're at more or less. It's like 120 Right. But to be able to sell and grow a brand at a price point of that level, you're actually creating a brand. It's not, you've got the product figured out. Now you have to figure out the brand of it. Okay the brand has to stand out. Like you need to attract your ideal customer and they're buying the brand. They're not buying right. the perfume. They are, but it needs to be that thing that like makes them feel a certain way. Right. Okay. I want to expand on this new framework I mentioned. Now I'm still in the works of figuring it out and you're going to hear more about it in upcoming episodes because I am going to be really helping you grow your business. But what I mentioned here in this episode is ideate it make it, brand it, I'm going to add and market it, sell it, delegate it, and operate it. Now, every product-based business is going to go through these steps. Some of them are going to happen simultaneously, but they need to be approached in this order because each step builds on the next. Leah is already making and selling her products. So what we're going to do here is we're going back and seeing where she can expand on her ideas and her branding to making her selling even more successful. A big part of the ideation phase is going to be market research. So this is my process in market research. Mm -hmm. I find it through like a Google search. I go to like a bigger department store that I know that the right customer because department stores can kind of like be a better container for like your ideal customer knowing the price point. Mm -hmm. Then I go and discover brands that are being sold at these bigger stores because it means they're more established. And then I work my way backwards. So then I'm like, okay, let's go check out this brand. Okay, let me go look at their Instagram. What does their Instagram look like? And then you can start to see too, like if you click on it, it shows you people who are commenting, people who are liking it. You know, you can go and click on even the people who are saying stuff and you can actually start to discover who their customers are. Mm -hmm. This one, Olafactive Voyage, looks like this person who follows them, which is now we found an influencer. This person is an olfactory explorer. Perfumes create memories. She's in Lisbon, Portugal. And she tests different perfumes and talks about them. Okay. And so we've just found our whole pathway between discovering a brand that sells $120 one ounce product to Neiman Marcus, which is an established big company. We looked at their website, meh, but you could see where they sold. I clicked on their Instagram. And then from their Instagram, I actually found an influencer that comments on it that is a perfume snob in Lisbon. (laughs) So now we found all this data. And then following her, I can actually say, oh, okay, now I'm discovering other brands. It's actually now helped me find almost like an ideal customer or like an influencer that has my ideal customers. Mm -hmm. And then if you resonate with the brands that she shares... Again, you could say the same thing and be like, okay, if this was my ideal customer, these are brands that they're like discovering and this is what their bottles and packaging look like. And it starts to give you information because you're going to be competing with these brands on the shelf. Yeah. And I say that because it's same customer, price point, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So then you start to discover, okay, wow, it looks like the trend is like these kinds of bottles or this kind of name or packaging. Yeah. 
It just gives you data. Yeah, I see that. So that's how powerful like the market research part can be. So if we talk about you in the ideate phase, that's almost the part I would go back to. Okay. Is the customer and the market research because it's also going to help you with the brand. You've got the make it. The make it I think is done and your price point is fine. And then we go into the brand it phase and the brand it is like, how do we establish as a brand? What do people need to know or feel or understand about it? This is going to be a visual thing. It's going to be an influencer thing. It's going to be a placement and stores thing. Okay. And then that's all going to start to attract an audience to you because they're going to feel like they belong or they don't belong. Yeah. Okay. I think I want you to go to the market research stage again because I just want you to establish. You don't need to have all the pieces yet, but you have to be very clear on who your ideal customer is and that when you present it... Like, again, I bring up Chrissy Teigen because she used some face oil that she talked about. And then that face oil was sold out literally forever. Mm-hmm. Might still be sold out. Oh. And I remember like going into Goop and they just had like a sample bottle. that so was like a $180 tiny bottle of face oil that she swears by. And I think they were selling it at Goop. So same thing. I want you to like look at Goop and stuff like that okay. because your ideal customer shops at these places. Okay. And then I just want you to look at before you rebrand that you can just come up with your current branding is not probably elevated enough okay. for the price point and the customer you're going to attract. All right. Can you, can you go to the site and show me? So the website is beautiful. I love this black and white look. I don't even know what I'm looking at, but it looks like really elevated. The bottle with the white and the gold and the clear. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the gold. The bottle will change. I really like the YSL bottle a lot. And I also like the St. Jane bottle. So it'll probably be something like similar to the YSL gold that goes across or the St. Jane emblem that goes on top versus just those letters that are in gold. The white top, the gold, the clear, I like. Okay. So I'm just gonna tell you like, I like that part. I wanted to put like some type of gold 3D element on top of the bottle. Cause I, what I was noticing was like photographers were having a hard time. If I was getting people posting it online, it was, people were just having a hard time taking photos of the fragrance. Can anyone do that gold 3D element to it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can? Okay. Yeah. The same people can do it. And how expensive will it be? It's not. And that's just it. It's none of this expensive at all. Okay. So I think the thing for me, for you, is as you're thinking about the bottles, it's just the the font, the placement of the font. Okay. The design of the bottle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's been like a newer trend too. I mean, maybe not newer. I think it's been forever. Is perfume sold based on interesting bottle shapes? Mark Jacobs is like a great example of somebody who turned perfume into like objects mm-hmm. with the tops and stuff. But if you think to the history of perfume, like if you think about like even the bottles that they found on the Titanic, it was very specific. The bottles were like mm-hmm. old school. They were yes. kept, they were crystal. They were on their nice. thing. Uh-huh. So it, there's a historical sense to perfume bottles of being a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like candle companies kind of went off of that, right? So like old school perfume and then 
candles started thinking about like the vessels that things came in. Yeah. So a lot of what you're selling is also the vessel. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. And don't make it too simple. Like this one, like the philosophy, because they have a clear bottle and a silver top, but just a sticker label and you can get that for way cheaper. So it does need to be elevated or simply elevated. doesn't have to have all the like bells and whistles. Yeah. It just has to feel of that level that you could see it sitting on a shelf mm-hmm. at Neiman Marcus or Barney's or Saks Fifth Avenue. Okay. Okay. So this is why ideate it comes before make it and brand it. All of the thought put into what Leah's product is about and who her target customers are is going to play a role in the decisions from how the product is made to how it's priced, packaged, and sold. You can always change things after you get your business going, but chances are you'll end up creating more work for yourself down the line. It's podcast recommendation time. And this month I am obsessed with the Hustle Daily Show hosted by Juliet Bennett Ryla, Rob Litterst, Ben Berkeley, and Mark Dent. Brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I love their offbeat and informative takes on business and tech news. In one of the most recent episodes, they dive into how the pink Stanley Tumblr Rose is dominating water bottle sales. Thanks to internet fame, even though Stanley itself is a hundred year old company. And now you know that I've done an episode on this and I am obsessed with the Stanley story. So this goes even deeper into the Tumblr Rose color. Now, as a product boss, this is the perfect example of what can happen when you find and lean into a marketing strategy that works for you. Listen to The Hustle Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, product boss and happy new year. I am so excited to be on this business journey with you. And now, as you may or may not know, I host workshops and challenges multiple times a year to support you as you grow your product-based business. And the best part is that they are totally free. That's why I'm so excited to announce my upcoming free workshop series, The Product Boss's Guide to Your Best Year Yet, where I'm sharing some of my best strategies for you to make 2024 your most successful year yet. Now, we're gonna dive deep into how you can master your time Trust me, it's a game changer. And oh, the stories I've got for you, like how brands like Stanley and Ugg made it big by staying focused. I'll show you that, yes, you can scale your small business, including your small handmade business, and still live your dream life. We'll also uncover those sneaky little things that might be holding you back. It's all about starting the year with a bang, thinking big and joining hands with a community that's all about lifting each other up. We're in this together through the highs and the lows. If you're ready to build a life and business that surpass your wildest dreams, join us. To join, all you have to do is pop over to theproductboss.com slash best. Or hey, if it's easier, just DM me best on Instagram and I'll make sure you're all set. Let's make this year our best one yet together. Do you want to talk about like visibility and lead strategy? What would be the thing that you feel like you're missing right now? Yeah. Yeah. It would be lead strategy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
I think the fastest way for you on that when you figured out all these other pieces is probably working with influencers. And we just found one. So the olfactory lady. So there are probably people that are influencers within the perfume realm. So Mm -hmm. if you follow her, it'll lead you to someone else. And like I said, I found that perfume brand and I was able to find people that comment. And then if you look at their names, you might be able to find influencers. Okay. And that would be the fastest way to have brand awareness to drive them to your website to buy. Okay. Yeah. Any questions around that? No, not at all. I I completely understand that. I just, I was just, I guess mine is like, what can I do to get sales now? Like, what can I do to get sales? In person. (laughs) I know you hate it. I know. But you're doing it on the sideline of Melrose Place. Yeah. Well, I was. It, I, I stopped, you know, just to kind of get my systems together. No, totally. But I'm just saying, like, you've done it. So in person or calling up a boutique. Now, it is a busy season and it's Christmas. So unsure. Uh, hair salons might be a good place. Another place. So, like, you could call a few hair salons and be like, hey, I've got this brand. I'd love to do a pop-up. We can split sales you know, yeah, 30, 70, like they get 30%, you get 70, like you can go there. Whenever you see a brand trying to grow, they have a street crew. Okay. Yeah. People need to have the awareness of it. Again, at Sephora, there's like that bum sole body cream that's, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm seeing it everywhere now. Mm -hmm. They had reps in there that had like a whole thing that was giving out samples and had a whole thing. If you buy this, you get a free bag, a free tote, whatever. You're so right. Yeah. So it's street crew, which is in front of your customer, which is why, again, if you do any in-person markets, it's just the street crew. Mm -hmm. And then there's the pop-ups. That's harder because you require a human to say yes or no. Like they have to have the ability and the bandwidth Mm -hmm. to host you. Your emails are performing. Your social media is performing. And the only other thing you could do is you could go into the wholesale module inside of MSM and do your own outreach. Again, they're kind of busy, but like you could either get on fair.com, which is wholesale, or you could call people up. Only thing again is that your product isn't labeled yet. Right. I can fix that. Okay. Yeah, that's fixable. Well, but it is, but not an immediate fix if you're talking about doing all this like extra stuff to the bottle. But you do have a lot of bottles. So like I would just sell what you have right now. So if I wanted like... Could I do a lead, like like a giveaway or some type of lead gen? Well, you saw that that worked. Mm-hmm. So you could keep doing free sample kits for the price of whatever, because you saw 30% of those people came back and bought. And that was just through stories and email. Correct. So if you start to do that more and then you tell people to share it, you have to have the call to action of like, share this with your friends. I totally missed that opportunity. Yeah. You did. Okay. <laughs> FabFitFun, when they kind of started and they were establishing themselves that subscription box, you can gift someone. It was like a smaller package and mm-hmm. all you had to do was pay for the shipping. So it was like $5 and we'll send it to a friend. Okay. That's cool. So I remember like my sister actually gifted me one and then I became a subscriber. So it's just that awareness and like $5 is really cheap. How much were you charging for shipping? Six fifty. Could you do it for five? Yeah, I could do it for five. Five is like a really easy number. I could do it for five. Five, yeah, like five bucks. You know, I'm like, 
and I get something for free. That's easy. Yeah. Five feels like really easy. So just for $5. And so you could keep this campaign work. Do you have to do it every day? No. You could do a once a month deal where like yeah. every once a month you run it. You're only doing it on the discovery pack. And you're constantly telling people like, it's this. And if you want to buy one, gift one, like $5 and we can send one to someone else. Or you could say like, make sure to share it. It would be like that. Okay. Another thing that one of our clients did was like she would do lives once a week and then people would buy while she was live. She was on the podcast. It was Bella Vita Candles. We have a whole episode with her. So if you want to listen to that episode and she talks about these giveaways that she would do and she used to do it almost like Willy Wonka golden ticket. Mm -hmm. So inside the candle, it would be green wax. And if you got that, you won something. Okay. So there's another thing like you could put a sticker at the bottom and like randomly send them out. So you could also do that in the sample pack. Yeah, like that. Yeah. And so they could buy the sample packs and then you can even do like once a week, I'm going to do a giveaway. Like one of you got a green sticker, come join me live or gold sticker. Okay. And then you win a $130 bottle of your favorite scent. Tell me which one. Mm -hmm. That'd be amazing. Okay. I love that. Yeah. It's sticky, but we just have to like stand out by like coming up with sticks as we're establishing ourselves. When you're trying to come up with clever marketing tactics, don't be scared of being too sticky. Yes, I said sticky. <laughs> it's an uphill battle in the beginning, gathering attention, and you need to do whatever it takes to stand out. And I promise you, as long as the customer is having fun or getting something out of it, they aren't going to mind. What questions do you have off that? I just need to do, I need to just do more market research, change those bottles. And in the meantime, you know, still just keep working on building my list and my audience and like just get more wholesale accounts, really. And I, I, I did put in there like my monthly goals for 2024, what I wanted to do like every month, like a brand collab, a giveaway, like to retarget, getting in two to three boutiques, doing at least two in-person events as well as tackling one module or one, you know, I need to be on the modules like every month, but I guess my number one everyday priority is like traffic and, you know, audience visibility, you know, and visibility so I can get more sales. Yeah. So you can do everything. You just can't do it all at once. I mean, you're highly organized. So like, you know, having a roadmap for yourself Mm -hmm. is great. You mean $1,700 off of, you said email re-engagement? Yeah, that was in August. I hadn't emailed my list in almost two years. And I did like a 20 email engagement that month from using the, it was this thing I found online, Chris Gorgoski. It was recommended to me by a brand consultant. She wanted me to run a re-engagement strategy just to get them, you know, back in. And it worked really, really well. I only lost a few people by doing that. Okay. I like that. And so you've done a lot of things that work. So I think I want you to just always go back to what am I doing that's working and how do I do more of it? So we know that your emails are working. So you need to grow your email list. Yeah. So you can use your social media as you try and grow your social media. I want you to use it to not sell all the time, but can you get them on your email list? Okay. Can you do the discovery packs or whatever that is, as another way to grow your email list. Okay. So like, even if you had an opt-in that was like free perfume, 
uh, discovery kit. And then like they have to opt in. It might be a two-step opt-in where like they give you their name and their email, mm-hmm. potentially phone number if you want to do text messaging. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is where it's like, you can get these for free, just pay shipping and handling. So the carrot is free perfume. Mm-hmm. They have to opt in. And then on the second page is where they see, okay, yeah, I get it for free. I just have to pay for shipping and handling. Yeah. And that might be a way that like you're constantly talking about like free perfume, get your free perfume discovery kit, get your free discovery kit. And you're using that as an incentive for them to opt into the list. And then they may never get the discovery kit, but they've joined the list. Okay. So now you're growing your email list with the incentive of free perfume. They may or may not pay at the end. If they do, awesome, right? Because I know you're losing money, but like you're getting the product in their hand. Mm -hmm. I say losing money because you're not getting paid for the product. And then the people who join your list, you'll just tackle them with e-commerce like emails. And then you could say like, hey, you opted in, you didn't get this. And you could give them another offer like in it, right? It Mm -hmm. could be something like spend, you know, $75 or more and get the discovery kit for free. I don't know. You would test like the offer and walk them through a process as well. Okay. So I think for awareness is influencers, pop-ups and boutiques where you're growing your email list too. I do think you could sell wholesale, Mm -hmm. which will grow your revenue. They'll be buying bulk from you. So you're growing revenue. Mm -hmm. And then what you've already been doing, which is... You did a giveaway. It seemed like it worked really well, the kind of giveaway you did. You're posting on social. Things are happening. And you've got a 250-person email list. If you look at where the gold is in your business, it's in your list. Yeah. So that's where you should be growing. However you got those 250 people, how do we get more? Right. It's math then at that point. Yeah. Okay. And you have a very good margin. So you're going to make more money per unit. (laughs) You're dancing. I love it. But that's the thing, right? Like you're going to make more money per unit. So your $7,000 might be that you've only sold, again, if you've, you said, I don't know, $100. So you may have only sold 70 to 70 people and made 7,000. So let's just quadruple that. Let's say 4X it. So 280 people. And that's a $280,000 business. I want to, yeah. Am I right? 28,000? What am I at? That's where I want to be. I want to be over the six figure mark. 28,000. I can't count. <laughs> yeah, 30,000. But that's just four axing. Like that's 240 orders. And like you can do that monthly if you need to. I'm very, but yeah, can you get to six, over six figures? Yeah, you just need to average $8,300 a month. Okay. So if that's the case, 8,300, we have $100 average order value. We need to sell to 83 people a month at that $100 average order value. Now, if part of that is wholesale coming in, so wholesale is eating a chunk of that 8300 So can you get two to $3,000 a month in wholesale orders and 5000 in direct-to-consumer? Can you do 5000 in wholesale and 3000 in direct-to-consumer? That's where you start to do that multi-stream machine, like the multi-channel. Okay. And now you're piecing out that 8300 by different revenue streams. Okay. You're going to make more on the direct-to-consumer, which means you can sell less, but you still have a really healthy margin for wholesale. So even wholesale is going to like... You're still going to make what other people would be making retail by selling wholesale. And that's okay. Like That's the other thing. Like If we can mark up, it's whatever the market can bear. Again, a Chanel bag does not cost 
half or a quarter of what we pay for. It's not $2,000 to make that bag. They used to sell the bag for two grand. Now it's 10 grand. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, you get that side of the world, which I like. I really like that you know that. So yeah, it's just looking at what's working for you and then multiplying. Okay. Take what works and do more of that. Okay. Good? Yeah. I'm so happy we had this call. Same. It's like those little gem moments. Like, you know, anything you do, if you could pull one little thing from it, it changes everything. You know, people want like a complete overhaul, but sometimes it's just one thing. Yeah. Everything changed. And on top of like going back and doing market research, you know, and in, in person market research, that's just something I have to get over my, my fears. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. You are smart, gorgeous, kind, friendly. So I think some of the mindset work to work on is whatever you think is this pre-context of how you set it off where you're like, people who look like me, you feel like you're like peddling roses. You're a successful person in this industry, in the film and TV industry, which is where we live. Yeah. You're successful. Maybe you're dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome in this world. It's it's crazy because... You know, I chose to work in editorial. It's behind the camera. I chose to yeah. do that. And then it's just like, even doing that, one of the shows I work, I, like I have a movie coming out this month for Christmas. Like it's already in, it's already, it came out like last week. We, we just went to a premiere for it on Saturday. Another show I worked on got nominated for 10 Emmys. Oh my and, God. What are these shows? Can you share? Yeah. Migration just came out. It's so freaking cute. It's a family adventure and it's it, it's gonna it just blows your mind. It's amazing with the illumination. Lost Ollie is on Netflix right now. I mean, it's so heartfelt. That was nominated for 10 Emmys. And I actually turned down the color purple. I was I was supposed to work on it and it's not it's it's being nominated now for like a few Oscars or no Golden Globe. Amazing. Right. And it's like and I, I turned down Crazy Rich Asians and they were nominated for I don't know however many Oscars. And, and you know, I've, I've worked on Oscar-nominated films, you know, Hidden Figures. And so it's just like, I still, because there's only a certain amount of people in the industry of what I do who look like me, that's where that imposter syndrome still comes in. So, well, you're also a woman in like editing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that you don't yeah. normally see that either. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't see in my age. They don't see us, you know, doing the visual effects and the sound design. Like we're, we're not the ones normally doing things like that. So me having that, like experiencing that in that world is like hitting my mindset when it comes to business. And that, I think that was like my biggest, you know, $50,000 mistake from this year was not going and doing in-person events. Like literally cowering, like doing all the work, but cowering when it came to like cowboying up and just loading the car. Cowgirling. Let's go girling on this one. (laughs) Cowgirling up, putting my big girl panties on. You came and met with me and did a photo shoot out of the blue. So I think that maybe 2024 can be like, I I don't know what word you want to choose for the year, but like. It's it's letting go some of that stuff because yes, you're paving the way in that. It's women in the corporate world and corporate ladder and all that, right? That's typical. But you also have this business you've created. Cosmetics and fragrance is not a weird place for you to be. 
you present as a like a very successful woman, which you are, because you've got films that are literally nominated, and you've turned down Oprah Winfrey. I mean, <laughs> crazy. Had I not done that, I would I would never have been able to survive the strike. Well, then there you go. <laughs> right? right. So everything's meant to be. Sorry, Oprah, you didn't get Leah. And I am probably your ideal customer in a way because I like to shop at these places I told you about (laughs) and I like designer stuff. (laughs) If I saw you, you are actually a better representation of your fragrance than somebody that doesn't appear like you or speak like you. You come across elegant and beautiful and aspirational and you are selling an aspirational product. Yeah. So you match the product you're selling so clearly and you live in LA and you understand this world and you like hang out with Hollywood people that it's not a far jump. So I need you to take out the selling roses like who will buy my... Is it from Oliver? <laughs> or what's the... What you said? No, no. It was uh, My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady. I don't know why yes. I felt like her, but I just... Yeah. So we're going into musicals here. So I want you to take that person out and come up with your version of Beyonce's Sasha Fierce. Okay. I had to do that when I used to speak on stage. I had to call myself a dragon slayer. I'd still be sweaty in the armpits and putting paper towels under my armpits before I went up. Right. But I was like, hey, I'm a dragon slayer. And like, I remember I did have a name, but I don't remember exactly what it was at this point. But I had to fake it. And it was really nerve wracking, but I just had to do it. Did I ever think that I would like now get on stages and be comfortable or coach and have like hundreds of thousands of people listen to my Valley Girl voice a month? No. <laughs> Try not to think too hard on it. <laughs> but that's the evolution of doing things that are uncomfortable and that like we have this imposter syndrome. Yeah, I, I started my company at 26. What did I actually know? I knew nothing, but I knew more than my clients. Yeah. So you have all the support and tools. You're really good at resourcing. You're really good at education and trying to figure out what you need to know. I think you've got a great brand aesthetic. You've got a great product where women chase you out of grocery stores and ask you, what are you wearing? And so Mm. it's stepping into that world of a little bit of discomfort. Maybe 2024 is like, I'm going to say yes. Dang. Because I want 2024 to be my breakout year. Dang. Yeah. Uncomfortable, huh? (laughs) You're going to have to do some meditation on that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to, I need to be fearless and courageous and stop. Fearless is a good one. Yeah. Stop hiding behind the computer. I'm doing everything. I I thought I was, I'm literally hiding behind my computer. Well, then we got to get you out. So this is your choice. Do I want to make $8,333 a month and have a $100,000 side hustle selling Lisa Monet? Or do I want to sit behind my computer and make $8,000 in a year? You're right. It's your choice. Okay. <laughs> you can it's do not, whatever you want. Right. That's not a hard choice to make. Okay. So... <laughs> There are a lot of people who do a lot worse for a lot less. So I just want you to like weigh out the things that you want in your life. And I want you to look at it and say, okay, I can keep doing things in this comfortable, safe place that I feel safe. Or if I want to do big, amazing things like be an editor, 
in a world that doesn't have women like you, women of color, young women, anything that are like all these dudes, you did something different that was super uncomfortable and it still is, but you're highly successful. So then let's take that same bit of courage that you had and transfer it over to Lisa Monet and do it. Yeah. And then you get to wait out. Do I want the success that can come with this and the money that can come with this and the dreams I have behind my company? Do I want that to happen or do I stay the way I've been? Right. And it, you said it makes it really easy at that point to make the choice. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to get out there and take the jump. So checklist this of all the things that you have as obstacles in your way right now. All the things that you keep saying like, I can't do that because this has to happen. And just checklist it off on your list. Okay, step one, done. Step two, done. And just move forward. Okay. And then maybe right now in this year, what you're doing is, there's only a couple of weeks left of the year. So what you're doing is enough. And then you're a great planner. You have MSM. Mm-hmm. So then what you want to approach next, go watch it, the module, mm-hmm. plan for it and execute. Okay. And then when you start to get that ball rolling, go to the next one. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Really proud of you. I know this is uncomfortable stuff, but you're doing a really good job. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable, but it needs to happen. I needed yeah. to hear this. I'm so glad we spoke today. Same. This was a great session. We went over plenty of tangible tips and tactics for businesses, including market research, making sure your pricing is correct and finding the right markets to sell in. But the key takeaway here is what we opened and closed the call on. It all comes down to mindset. The biggest barrier in the way of Leah's success was based on her limiting beliefs and not feeling like she belonged in the places she was selling. Does that resonate with you in any way? Where are you holding yourself back in your business because your mindset is limiting you? I want you to know that you can do it. I promise. And I'm cheering you on always. Okay, my friends, I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.